0: Hey folks, this is Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. Today's subject is the graphic novel, aka the trade paperback. So sit back, relax, and listen to us discuss the effect it's had on storytelling and the comic book business. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. So, the main question for this is, the graphic novel with its effect on creative and the marketplace, has it helped or hurt the comics industry? So I'm Zach Slater.
1: I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. I definitely think it helped. prime example of that is Watchmen. I think the trade really propelled that um, to other, of other people just having it as a book to read all at once as opposed to looking for individual issues because in my collection, I still don't have three, four, <laughs> five, eight, and nine. But overall, if if it wasn't for the book being a, what's that, a graphic novel format, or at least brought together in one trade, I don't think anybody would have praised the story so strongly, being that it's a um, condensed story. You know, there's a beginning and an end. You know, not look for anything else. It's completed, and it's in a travel-ready format. Wait for airplane. <laughs> so... That's a, I, yeah. I think it definitely that's a good end. one to start with because yes. I
0: forget that that's even issues. Yes, for me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, honestly, I could I don't think I could tell you what the twelve covers are. Oh, of my, like I really don't. Really? So that's a good yeah. one to start with. Yeah.
1: But.
2: The button with the blood.
1: I remember the one with the picture of um the photograph on the um sands of Mars.
2: Right, right. right. One.
3: Yeah, standing mm. there. There's one. also the smudge on in when they're in Viet's Yeah. Hideout. Yes. There's also one with is the one with the uh, the Black Terror the flag. I'm trying to think.
1: Uh, I'm not sure because after it means what twelve or thirteen issues. It's 12. it's twelve. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, so each one is a defining uh, character on each one, so that makes me remember which did what or what cover looked at what. But I mean,
2: one's got to be a Rorschach mask. Yeah, i would
1: think so. is, yeah was yeah. one a butterfly is, yeah, yeah. A butterfly. i think it's the butterfly mm-hmm. or,
3: the, yeah, or, well, Rorschach the Rorschach or yeah well <laughs> yeah the blot yeah. yeah or the i'm just thinking of the, the interview reactions yeah it's a pretty butterfly right yeah to the psychiatrist
1: but that's the one of the trade paper that stands out with me the most is how uh, people are able to pick that up and um, praise it or talk about it distinctly but if a lot of people forget it was a limited series like what uh zach was saying earlier that it almost makes people forget that it was a limited series monthly
2: mm-hmm. It is interesting because it's famously or infamously one of the first American comic book collections to never go out of print, Mm -hmm. which is the reason Alan Moore never got rights to it back is because he was guaranteed rights when it went out of print and it never went out of print.
1: At least he never let it go. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's one bad side to it.
3: But it's one of the things where I think about when I think about the first or the beginnings of the graphic novel proper. That's definitely one of them, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I didn't really think about that one. But the other one I really thought of was, for the longest time, was *Dark Knight Returns*.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: sure. those those two those two are you know seminal for DC, especially for that time right around 86, 87, Whereas mm-hmm. when those those books came out, you had them in 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 trade format, and like you said, you you know it's good for airplanes, it's good for bookstores, yeah. it's good for you know all those places that are non traditional comic shops. You could definitely get those two books and still be reading comics, but not technically reading comics because it's not like you know, it's not like a floppy or a single issue as the way they originally came out, even though Dark Knight didn't come out, it was the first square bound books. I remember at the time was one of those I bought, I'd gotten to go to the comic book shop in my local hometown, and I probably got a stack of comic books about the size of an old phone book, like the day before, literally the day before, it's probably spent like 20, 30 bucks back in comics for 75 cents or a dollar. And then going to Walden Books the very next day in the mall and they had a stack up at front on the register of Dark Knight Returns, issue number two and begging my mom to buy me one more comic book, not realizing it was a four ninety five dollars or three ninety dollars book, which was mm. a lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, time, at the, yeah, oh, <laughs> at yeah. the time it yeah. was, it was, it was a, it was oh, a big yeah. commitment for, yeah. you know, one story, but again, it was a great story. It was, it was in a, you know, in a format that they, they hadn't really done before that. And now when you think about that, looking back, I mean, a single issue now is, you know, four ninety nine. Yeah, so
0: you read Dark Knight as it was happening,
3: essentially. I, we, I, need to, we
0: need to talk sometime about whether or not, like, the fact that it was seminal hit you, like, right away. Or if it was one of those things after the fact. It we don't was, have to do it this time. No,
3: no, we, we won't sidebar. The only thing I'll tell you is, like I said, I, I picked up two and I read two before I read one. So I read two and then found, went looking for issue one, got it, and then read the rest of it as it came out.
1: That's the same thing when I mm-hmm. when Ronin came out mm-hmm. I felt that uh, when it was on the shelves I picked it up and it, I didn't know it was the, the, like I was in the middle of the story mm-hmm. and then it, it became difficult to get the first or the initial copy especially if it's a reprint right then right that, that makes it even that much harder so I'm definitely on the side of um, it benefiting the comic industry as far well, as
0: but so Frank you said two things mm-hmm. that I think so you said bookstores mm-hmm. you said travel well right. Tommy you said travel first. Yeah, but I did Frank you reiterated travel right and So I'm thinking back to all the, like, 2001 documentaries about comic books that were getting made when they were all talking about, like, you know, issues are, are, you know, maybe going away. And now what you're going to see are trade paperbacks in bookstores and stuff like that. And now I'm thinking, I don't know, but I feel like even that's changed now. Like, I don't know how many comics are selling at bookstores anymore at this point right about
2: right. roughly half of all, all american half. comic
0: books and and the travel thing to me is mm-hmm. it's the one time where i actually like reading off of a tablet it true is i i hate lugging we've talked about around, it. we've talked about it
3: before how many times you've you know been on a plane and you know in the old days you'd fill a backpack full of like six or eight trades knowing right. full well that you would read two or three on the way there and two or three on the way back not to mention if you were in a, in, a, in a place with a you know a decent comic shop you would go check it out and pick up two or three more trades yeah you know, I remember one of the last times I was in Austin, that you know, I found one of the, these great comic shops that had, they had basically a storefront where they had like regular comics that were out new and product like you know Funko Pops and Marvel Legend figures and all that good stuff, and then they also had you know back issues in the front of the store, and then they had a gaming store. There's all like one shopping center, they had okay. a gaming store, and then behind that in a bigger almost like warehouse type you know area, it was it wasn't it was very low frill, but they had all of the stuff that they were blowing out. So everything back there was older stuff, like older trades and hardcovers that were like fifty fifty percent off of that's everything. Right. So again, that's another situation where <laughs> one. I mean, this was years ago, but ever since then, I've I have switched. You know, I got I got a good tablet, and as much as the we can talk about that at some point, the experience of reading an actual comic or an actual graphic novel versus tablet, but having to have everything on a tablet and be able to read it that way is so much easier than having to lug around. Yeah. Even though I still buy I still buy collections of books, you know, graphic novels all the time or hardcovers all the time, it's still one of those things where if I'm going to travel, I'd much rather not lug around an extra.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, if I'm at home, I'm definitely gonna read paper, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, if I'm on a plane, I want to carry as least amount of stuff as possible, <laughs> and and so I mean, that's the one time where I like. But so trades take up. Hat, roughly half of the marketplace? Of Is
2: monetary that... sales. So I found some 2018 figures okay. in sales and saying that the comic book, American comic books and graphic novels last in 2018 did about a billion dollars mm-hmm. in revenue. And so breaking that down, where that money came from, it was roughly 50% was comic shops between the, the issues and the collections. And it was actually not quite half. It was around 40% were bookstores. Mm-hmm. Around I think six percent were newsstand slash others, and the lowest one like around five percent, four percent, five percent was digital. But that's in monetary, not in units sold. So you understand like the the bookstores that are selling make up forty percent of that money are going to not be selling issues; they're going to be
0: selling the trades. That's that's only is that brick and mortar or is that online as well? Online as well. Okay, because I think just book retailers.
2: Okay, so yeah, so
0: when you when you Take in Amazon right. for sure, but I like I I was always under the assumption that that was going to be going down because like bookstores are not all that prevalent anymore. Right, you know what right. I mean, like, I mean yeah, orders getting- going out, and Barnes and Noble's still there, but Books a Million,
3: you know, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. There's just this certain ones, but not like before.
3: But even then, there on a, the thing about them is that that I find interesting is what versus like a comic shop is. I mean the more savvy shops i've been in, like i've been in a lot of shops because i travel for a you leader know, for a while where it was one of the things where every time i went to a shop they always had like i said it, the model was the one like that one the place i went to in austin where they had you know they had new stuff they had some some product you know some stuff that's just comic related or, or, or pop culture related and then they would have an area that was just blowout and i don't think enough shops do that sort of thing where they can basically still make you know they're obviously you're going to be paying more than they did for the the wholesale by buying the book at 50%, they're not making what they could have made off it. But there were a lot of places that were just like, we need to get rid of it, we need the space. You know, they're trying to maximize the amount of money for what they can get. And it was also it was also single issues as well as graphic novels. It wasn't just one or the other. They were like, they had both spots for, for both types. And I thought that was interesting a lot. I mean, it was, it was pretty, I'd say out of eight to 10, sh- I'd say eight out of 10 shops I went to was like that, where they were just like, nope, need to get rid of this, we need space, we need to make some kind of money to keep things going, so.
0: I mean, so for me, it's just better because I'm a trade reader and they're easier to store
2: mm. that
0: way. Like they look better on a shelf sure. than putting your single issues bagged in a backboard on a shelf or in a box. It's just, you know, if I want to read a couple pages of Long Halloween or whatever, I can find that easily, mm. you know. And um, there was a period where I was like, I was certain almost that like every single story was going to be traded at some point. But there appears to be maybe a little bit of like like I'm puzzled by uh DC's sort of like recent trend of sort of like I'm like solicitating some trades and then kind of like backing stuff off. You know, like, oh, this thing that we advertise for April, like that's not actually coming out and it's not been resolicited at all. So, so I don't I don't quite know if there's like a shift in the market coming.
3: It's one of um, those things where I, it's interesting to say that because a lot of the like pages or stuff, where, you know, that I get some of my news on what's coming out. A lot of times people are really frustrated. They're like, well, I'll tell my shop, my local shop or whatever, that I want to buy something when it's coming out, say, in three months from the latest previews. And then two months in, DC announces, no, nah, we're not doing that. You know, either there's not enough interest, or I don't know whether or not, you know, I'm not sure how it works just distribution wise or what they decide on what they end up making. But there's been a lot of that in the last year where they've announced stuff. They've even had like the mock up of the cover. And then when yeah. the time comes, they just like, nah, we're not doing yeah. it. We're not, we're not committing the money to it. Yeah, there was one point where
2: they did make a clear announcement that they were scaling back mm. their collection initiative. And then a handful of things I can remember got canceled right off the bat then or just disappeared from the listings from the different shops that had them as up for pre-order. And then some others like have gradually happened since then. Even recent ones will solicit something two months ago and then a month later, right. like a month before it's to come out, say like, nope, it's it's been unsolicited. And I don't know if they honestly just react to initial orders. Like they get some sort of gauge of interest early on and then just say like, oh, like it doesn't meet our threshold. Right. And then just decide not to do it and and figure it'll be just more profit for them on digital without having to worry about the actual production of a collection. Well, that's
3: the thing I, I can think of when, when I initially saw the news that they kept you know soliciting stuff and then pulling back was the idea of, well, remember when we went to that to Darwin's, Darwin Cook's, uh, talk at the Smithsonian. His right, idea his that, retrospective. You know, yeah. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, eventually we're going to have, you know, we might go back to the idea of printed books or printed comics being luxury items as opposed to, you know, having much lower prices for just digital stuff. And I think, like you, I, I think, I think it's, you know, it's a good business model, the idea that no, we don't really need to print this right. when we can make a lot more money off the material that we already have. We may have to pay a- someone to recolor it for whatever reason because a lot of those books they get, you know, they'll bring in someone to recolor issues that are old, but. You know I, i'm sure it's 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 a much lower cost to do that than to have someone you know i don't know what you know laura martin or someone who's not a, not as yeah. good as she is We <laughs> talked a bit about like like
0: customizable too which i thought was i, I thought it would be interesting if you mm-hmm. had kind of like books like print uh, on like, like print on demand mm-hmm. but you could sort of like so i think about the like the greatest superman stories ever told trades like that sort of thing mm-hmm. but if you could assemble it like with your own. I like this issue, I like this issue, and I want everything sort of in one spot.
3: <laughs> kind of like your mixtape of <laughs> Yeah. I would lo- I would take advantage of that for sure. sure. Well if you I mean if you were able to like have your own like your own three like let's just say, you know, a 3D printer yeah. for your own make your own hardcovers, I think that'd be great. I mean yeah. it'd be a really cool innovation for them to try and do, just the idea that you could put together whatever you wanted and bind it and then you know, put your own trade dress on the front would be great we've probably given away a million dollar idea just now. Right. But it's it's one of those One things. did exist for prose novels. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, it yeah it would, okay. Like
2: you would go through the catalog and what you could get and tell it to print it and it would create you a book. Huh. That was a wild cool. It's It wasn't full color printing so uh, for yeah. comics wasn't it wasn't viable quite that right. point for comic books. But You know,
0: commissioned John Cassidy to do the cover. <laughs>
1: you know, right. Exactly, is, right. It was probably yeah. ahead of its time. That That's yeah. probably what occurred concerning that. But what I would like, I mean, sorry to be off topic a bit but I like the last of progression to be more animated as opposed to book format. I mean, I'm wrong. I understand what the trade on the topic entails, but it's just that, that idea of not getting the full story all the time. And -hmm. what books or trades did was give us the full story right then and there. Yeah. You know, Um, that, that, that's how it played out because nowadays hear people say, I'll wait for the trade, you know, for a particular story. And that's that's
0: totally me. You know and I, and I know that it, you know, it drives some people crazy, but like the issues right. to me is, is I'm testing the waters. I'll, I'll buy issue one. I'll buy issue two because mm-hmm. I think, I think issue two is kind of a better gauge of, of what the book is going to be than issue one. Remember Zach, we had a
1: long time ago. We had a discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see, um, in fact, yours is more long You rather binge than get the weekly or, you know, as far as shows go, correct? In the no, sense, comics. No, but in a sense, I'm just saying if, for as far, if you have to, uh, Explain it like in your comic format, and for me, I would if I can get my hands on that story before the, it hit the publisher date. I was all for it. Right? Yeah, that's 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 in the way of how I felt. With um, I just just give me the story. Don't 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 feed it. To, you know, don't piecemeal yes. it to me.
3: Uh, not in drips and drabs. I want it all at once. I want all at yeah, once.
1: Yeah. And for, if I get behind the curtain, you know,
3: <laughs> sure, and see sure, the,
1: and see the story. That's what that's what I'm all for.
3: I mean, my thing with 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 graphic novels was. It's one of those things where if, if I wanted if I wanted to basically put someone on a book, that was the easiest way to do it was to be like, here, here's the first six issues of this. Or if I was you know going to loan someone out a book rather than give them my issues, I would just be like, here's the... You know, because a lot of times you buy something initially and like you said, I'm going to put it in a box and it's going to go in the basement or in the attic or wherever you keep your books. And I'm not really going to think about it for a while, but I may want to read that or revisit that story. And again, I think... In in the beginning, when graphic novels were first you know first coming out, and you had that you know ability to just pull something off the shelf, since it was so much more accessible, you had that graphic novels were much more um, a better thing for the industry because you could easily just like you said, you could like Tommy was saying, you could just put a, you know a full story in someone's hands. Like Year One is okay. another example. Like much like Dark Knight Returns, whereas like here's four issues, it's Batman's origin. You don't really need more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't have to read, you know. At that point, forty years of Batman, or more, fifty years of Batman, or however well, long. No, not you at know.
0: all. Yeah, I, I think, I think it helps with accessibility, like, you know, tenfold. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that they sort of collapsed a little bit under the weight of their own. Like, I think, I think comics get a little too bogged down in trying to organize continuity mm-hmm. for new readers. Sure. And I think that there's just a little bit of if you're a new reader, I think that you're going to have to do some homework at some point. Well, you know, and I think, and I think, uh, like you start numbering runs in volume. This is volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four, right? And then and and, and and then you do, and somebody else jumps on Green Lantern, and then that becomes a volume one, volume two, and I mm. think that can get
3: confusing to new readers. Well, we've had that discussion before. You and I have talked about the fact that you know, once upon a time, <laughs> in in the old days, you had, you know, uh, and I always throw this back to you had an editor's note and maybe a panel to describe a story that's being referenced before. Right. right. Yeah. And you were lucky if you had, you know, an uncle who read comics when he was when 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 he was younger, or you know, an next door neighbor that read comics, and that was it. You know, they, yeah. when until local shops started becoming a thing, you couldn't just roll into a place, pick up the back issue, and roll back out. And again, in some cases, you can do that because they cost too much. But with the you know onset of the internet, there's no reason why you have to cater to new readers quite so much. I've never thought that just because. I can pick up my phone. I can go home and go online on my laptop or my desktop, if you still have a desktop, and find out the entire entirety of the history of any character, for the most part that's ever been written. Especially from the big two or Image, you should be yeah. able to find those people's you know any of those characters' yeah. histories. That's not or, or what they've done before but you decide to pick up your first issue. And I know in the in, in Marvel in the '90s when they added the, the the front the front page or the frontest page after the cover, where it was like, here's everything that's going on you know, in the book up until now, basically. Right. To get you caught up with the story. And I'm like, well, you have, again, you have the internet. Yeah. Why is this it's, something? You know, Wikipedia. Right. Why yeah. do you I'm need not this? against.
0: I'm not against them doing it at all. I mean, I do think it helps, but it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like manga has kind of l- like like an easier time when it comes to that, because there, there's like, there's one Pluto and there's not like another volume of Pluto mm. out there. So like, you know, that volume one precedes this volume two and, right. and then there's nothing else. But like what if we look at a character that's, that's. You know super prolific like batman or superman like that can get a little confusing i sure think. but
1: i was gonna say um when you mentioned manga manga does the same thing they're just ahead of the curve the um trades they, they, you know the formatted books that come in even though they're serialized they first come in a magazine edition of the story itself like a comic. imagine like getting a magazine with batman superman uh um, wonder woman all lumped together at- weekly in weekly. the size of
2: a phone book
1: exactly yeah. mm. so uh, the the trades that they send over here they'll take everything for the month of the Shonen Jump magazine for one particular story Lumber Garrison, in a book
3: kind of like they've been doing they did the the Walmart books yes where you basically yeah. get, yes. you might get a new story and yes. then the rest of it's all reprints and stuff from exactly okay right yeah
1: so what you're looking at is the trade format of it
3: yeah no yeah. no but
0: that's what i mean I, no. but i feel like but, but they have an easier time because because there's not like Pluto hasn't been done by multiple writers, right? Like you know what I mean. Like 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 if I'm looking at Captain America and I'm looking at the shelf, well, there's the like the Tennessee Coates take, and then there's you know the Mark Wade.
1: Yes, you And
0: and like and they both have volume ones and volume twos, and I think that that could be a little confusing. confusing sure. For some people, I mean, and I don't know how to yeah. remedy that. I just like I okay. like I said, I think there just comes a point where there is at some no. level you got to just do the homework and like okay yeah.
2: It does happen in manga too, but yes. just right. far, far less frequently where you'll have a long-running series that will reach its end and then they'll restart it and tell it a slightly different way. Yeah. yeah, It just is far, far less frequently than well, it happens with the superhero comics.
1: Well, in manga too, they give their um, creators more um, control over the character as opposed to hiring a writer to do an already established character that's never-ending. Mm. I think when the creator, I mean, not to say they had a control it to an extent because Shonen still has the rights to produce it whether it's in, on the, somebody's jacket or in a video game or things of that nature. But um, when the creator wants to not do the story anymore, he'll wrap it up and be done with yeah. it. It's rare when you see the material of their creation given over to another person to continue. Right. Yeah, so it's I, if nothing else, the ones that produced here just out of greed that they don't want to <laughs> shut the character down right. at any point. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's a nice. different
0: topic for another day, but we can it's talk a, about that. Yeah, sort of yeah. I, I think yeah. that there are, you know, cool things and drawbacks to both of those as well. But so, yeah. I mean, so are there any other drawbacks to the graphic novel coming out, though? Yes. I'm, yeah. Okay. Like yeah.
3: What? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, my biggest thing was this is more along the lines of not so much as um, accessibility or, or or the ability to just, um, you know, find them in different outlets my biggest thing with the graphic novel is I think it just changed storytelling like forever. Like, I don't think they're ever going to go back to the simple idea of, you know, we have it. You have every once in a while, you have somebody gets experimental and say, "Oh, we're going to do a one and done and then have a five part story. Yeah, Generally it's like, I, there's a six part story in every trade, whether it needs to be yeah. or not. Well,
0: I agree. I agree with that. I feel like, I, I feel like one and dones tend to happen in the annuals. Yeah. A little bit more. Um,
3: but
1: one thing I'll, that I want to bring to attention is, if it starts out in a comic, if somebody's waiting for the trade, the book may be canceled as opposed to everybody waiting for a trade to come out since the numbers are up. It'll put the kibosh on a great story early because everyone's waiting for the trade, and the numbers of yeah. the book itself drops. So it could kill the popularity or the nuance of a new idea or great story developing just because it's not producing numbers from yeah. avid readers
0: I mean they're they're I mean I feel like the comics industry is just like plays that stuff really close to the chest but I do think like I feel like in some cases Marvel's actually been really good about that stuff okay I've, I've read interviews where they would they admit freely like squirrel girls not selling month to month very well but it's like it's making a killing in trades and that's ah. why we keep doing it
2: yeah sometimes yeah. if they if they're willing to give it a shot sometimes they'll find out find out that it pays off okay yeah and but that's a probably a more recent adaptation on their part because for a long time they were so resistant to anybody waiting for the trade like they would tell you like go buy the issues go buy the issues go buy the issues but if it's not what you know the customer wants then it's up to them to adapt i feel like which is probably another conversation possibly but (laughs) uh, but no i feel like it was around early 2000s when manga was first like invading America, I should say like mm-hmm. the in the bookstores and everything that Marvel I can think of probably at that time more than DC really did seem to start dictating story to fit a trade model. and they were the first ones and that is the period of time I remember it happening and but now publishing you know costs have changed and Marvel trades are now down to five issues. so yeah. I don't know if they're now dictating, Five issue stories to match that new price model for what they want to put out, so.
3: right? But for a while, they also had the situation where not only were they, you know, dictating what stories were supposed to be, but you would have that situation. We've we've talked about it before. The idea that you would have, like Marvel now. Marvel now is the thing we're doing, and we're going to have this lineup, and this is the lineup for X Men, this lineup for Avengers. These are the people that you know, the teams that are on Spider Man or Fantastic Four or whatever. And then we'd have two trades. <laughs> yeah. of those characters and those storylines and then immediately revamp everything and this is Marvel whatever now is. Yeah. And they would do the exact same thing again where you get like
0: Sometimes with the same writer. And I thought and, and that's right. where I found it like really frustrating. Like mm-hmm. I mean if if when Mark Wade was still on Daredevil and Daredevil got relaunched and and there was no creative shift mm-hmm. at all and it was still it was still very much like this story is picking up in the second volume right. of Right with this new number one and i thought like this is so weird like yes. i can understand like brubaker's not writing captain america anymore so sure. else is on that that makes sense mm-hmm. to relaunch
2: yeah um, squirrel girl had two number ones within one year of yeah. each other yeah. like mighty yeah. thor with jason and aaron and, and russell Donnerman was almost within a year of each other wow yeah. i mean they were within a year of each other because mm-hmm. it was eight issues and then the Thor's miniseries and then another number one. So just about a year apart. Gotcha. But the Squirrel Girl one actually happened two in the same calendar yeah. year.
0: I think they can get a little trigger happy with with the number ones, but I think as far as um like writing, uh, or, or writing to six issues, what always puzzles me about that is, you can always go bigger, right? Mm. Like like if you have a longer story, right? Right. You can you can. Do two volumes of a trade, right? As long as you have enough story to fill 12 issues at that point. But it's funny that we're thinking in these like books of six Mm -hmm. or now books of five essentially now. And, and, And some writers I think are better than others at it. Like, you know, it's just like anything else in writing. Like some guys are really good at dialogue. Some people are really good at action sequences. Some people are good with metaphor, all that stuff. Some people are good with pacing. And I think you have somebody with pacing they'll tend to have, like, a better idea of, like, how much real estate their story is going to take up. Sure. And kind of be a better self-editor of what goes in and what goes out. But I've never understood why we don't get more trades, like, like the man who laughs, the Brubaker Joker thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that. That that's an interesting trade for me because, like, that actual man who laughs story is, like, only two issues. Mm-hmm. And then, but in the trade, you get, like... The book is hung up on that story, like like, that's the main event story. If I'm looking at it like a wrestling card, like that's the main event story. That's the one that's selling it. But then the back half of that is four issues of like this Alan Scott, like Commissioner Gordon thing in Gotham. Then like also done by by Brubaker. So it's so there's cohesion there, right? You know, are you talking about the 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 Legend of the Dark Knight story that one he did, or the one that was like the one shots that he did? No, it wasn't one shots. I think this is when I think this is when he was still on Batman proper. Okay, this is after like Gordon was not the commissioner anymore like after he'd been shot and stuff uh, okay. like that yeah so, so it's it was after, very much a gordon story but like alan scott was a part of it
3: so it's after officer down then yeah okay gotcha. yeah. all right yeah I, I just think it's one of those things where i just think some, a lot of times it becomes a situation where you're given so much real estate and you just don't know how to fill it in and the stories go an extra issue or a prime example for me was um original sin the jason aaron miniseries about you know the watcher and You know, all the revealed secrets and all that stuff. There's literally, I mean, the way I remember reading, there was an issue like around, I think it's like four or three to four, four to five. That's practically the same issue. One right after the other. Yeah. Like it's pretty much the exact same story. And I don't blame Jason Aaron because I think Jason is a very good writer. I just think it's one of those things where it could have, I mean, I almost yearn for the days of when miniseries were four issues.
0: Yeah. I mean... Like I said, I mean, in some hands it's better, in other hands it's not. Like uh, I feel like I bring him up every podcast, but I swear, like Bendis is the king of that. Oh yeah, right. We're like when 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 I was reading his X Men stuff, and it was like occasionally there was there was an issue that had like a whole lot going on, and Mm -hmm. then I felt like I would read three issues of the same thing that was the same conversation. Like I need to go back, and then I'm like, okay, stop saying that. I get for somebody new picking up the book, right. that this may be their first issue of that that they're reading, okay, that makes sense, right? Mm. But now, but they've started doing like those previously on the X-Men pages <laughs> right. in the beginning, which, al- right. which almost takes the place of the editor's note, right? Exactly. It almost those became big in the early 2000s, yeah. two
3: years, yeah, that, that was, the Ultimate. Yeah, that's my point, is like a lot of times it was one of yeah. those, a lot of times you would have the situation where that front, that front piece, that page would basically give you a synopsis of what had happened in the book. And yeah. then you would turn the pages and the first three to four pages were Basically, the characters telling you what had happened previously in the book, <laughs> yeah. which didn't make any sense because why include those pages in the front at all? Yeah, it's like you're restating
0: like the whole thesis of the book. Like, like and I'm just like, this is this is a waste of time. Yes, I think. and sometimes Bendis is great at that. Bendis is fantastic at writing like the conversational issue that like this whole thing, this whole sure. issue is one scene mm-hmm. and sometimes that's wonderful to read and other times it's just like, all right, can but you I, move this along? Like I'm on the fourth trade and nothing's
3: happened. But I will say someone who's really, who when I think about someone who's really good at filling the trade, you know, uh, regardless of the way he is now, I, I think Chuck Dixon did a really good job of filling six issues with story. Like there would be f- like four, like there'd be the setup in the first issue. Yeah. About three to four issues of. Actual stuff happening, and then the last issue generally was the Coda piece, where it was like, you know, like if you think about the one, you and you know, I both love the one where it's Robin and Nightwing on the train. Yeah. In Bloodhaven yeah. talking, which is a tr- is, a, is a tremendous. Issue, and it's after, I can't remember what event it's after, but it's one of those things where it's, you know, a lot of stuff has happened right before it. Right. And, you know, it's one of the big Batman crossovers, and it's just the two of them talking at the end of it, and I think it works really well. And I think a lot of people don't really think about structure of story and six issues. Like I right. think they think, well, I'll just you know I'll stick the landing at the last second and hope yeah. this all comes together. And I don't think I don't think you can treat your every issue. You know there has to be you have to look at the entirety of what you're given. If you're given I don't know what's a, what's a standard comic book page wise twenty two pages twenty two so, pages. Yeah. So for six issues, it's what one hundred and thirty two pages, right? Yeah. So you're looking at one hundred thirty two pages that you have to fill, right? So basically, you have to. I mean, I, I would think you would have to. Unless you're given an extra, you know, an extra, it's like an anniversary issue at the end or an anniversary issue at the beginning to kick things off. You got to think about your page count, and I think it's one of those things where I, I, we've had this conversation before. The idea that British writers, for whatever reason, and I think it's basically the theory that I have is that when you start out in British magazine in British comics over there, you have eight pages to tell your story, right? So you're used to working with eight pages of your real estate, and there's not a lot more, not, not a lot of room for fluff. Right. You really can't. You know, you couldn't give eight pages of art <laughs> to people in Britain. They'd be like, "What's the story? It's nothing here. It's it's you know." But I think about all the books that I have read, where in order to fill a trade paperback, it was just a, you know a fight scene or you know or or a double page splash when you didn't need one. And granted, that some of that's just do the artists wanting to resell their art. Right. But a lot of it also is the idea of from a writing someone had to write that scene. Yeah. And I just don't think that people value the the the, the spaces they're given enough to say, well, do I have enough story to fill up 132 pages of a trade? Right.
0: Yeah. No. I I I had an epiphany while you were talking, like because okay. I was thinking about I'm, I'm like, You're where did thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks Frank. No problem. Uh, no, I was thinking about like where did I get that that idea that like why why can't trades be be broken up with more. Like this is a three issue, and then this is a two issue story, and then sure. this is a one issue. And, and right. like, no, you're right. It was Dixon. It was mm-hmm. Dixon that whole time. I, I really did not put two and two together on that. But yeah, he was he's good. Yeah, at he it. was great at that <laughs> in the nineties when yeah. he was on, like on on all the Batman stuff. Like mm-hmm. especially Nightwing. Yeah, like, Nightwing was the one where I read, which I read the most consistently out of all that. But yeah, you would get like. This is three issues of Nightwing where he's in Blackgate trying to you know win it back after the earthquake thing, and right. then, and then we have two issues where he's he's with Oracle, mm-hmm. you know, and there's and they're trying to breach like her you know loft or lair or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. No, he was really good at that. I don't, but again, I don't know why more people don't think that way.
3: I don't know. I don't again. It's, if it's if, I don't know if it's an editorial mandate or just the idea that like you know they just sit down and I'm like oh man I got to fill these six issues and if I don't fill these six issues. You know, I don't have a story. And I'm like, no, you have a story. You just don't have to take... Sometimes you could tell it in two, two issues better and then fill the other four issues with something else.
0: I wonder if... I wonder if it's just easier to think about like... I'm thinking about like the toys I can play with mm. in that time. And if I'm thinking in six issues, right? Like... um all right, I'm going to do my Joker story in six issues. Oh, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I no, I'm just going to think about that because everybody's got... The, the joke that, that, that we make all the time is everybody's got their Joker story. Everybody's got the sure. Dark Phoenix story. Sure. I mean, are, many people have their Mad Hatter story. Right. Right? But that was the thing about Dixon is he would have those. You know what? Like, he would have ideas for, for those other characters. And I wonder if it's all if it's just like like a lack of ideas that's kind of... Like, like I don't know what to do with the Riddler. Like, I don't have a Riddler story. Sure. So I'm just not... I'm not going to go do, try and do that in two issues. I'm going to just try and stretch this Two-Face thing out
3: for. Well, Two-Face right. story should always be two issues. It should always be two issues, right. Should always be divisible by, by Right. Always. always even numbers. Always even numbers. Always. There's a reason for it. It's yeah. built into the character. But yeah, I, I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. The idea that, you know. But again, you know, I, I it's one of the things where when, you know, when miniseries first started, the majority of them were four issues, right? Yeah. And we had, you know, we have there are there are examples of four issue graphic novels. There they exist, and then all of a sudden, I don't know. Again, I would think with paper co- with paper costs and what it costs to print books now, I would think, why wouldn't you want to go with a model with a, with something that you might sell more of that costs you less than the than just to basically do something more of with the issues wise or paper page count, where it may not be, you know, you may not get the same bang for your buck, so to speak. Right. And then we haven't talked about the fact that digital, I mean, we, I think, I don't know if I told, I think I told Tommy this, there was the first the first uh, collection of um, all the crisis crossover stuff, all the single issues or double or two issues that went, it was like a 60 or $70 book or something or something ridiculous when it first came out, or maybe it was less than that, maybe it was like closer to 40 or 40, 50. But it came out one week on a Wednesday. By the next Wednesday it was on sale on Comixology for four bucks.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, and it's one of those things of, you know, I if I know if I were DC, I'd be kind of ir- I mean, granted, I don't know what the deal they have with comiXology, whether they have a say so and what goes on sale or, or they don't. I have to imagine
2: they do have some say. Sure. I would think. Just, I don't know the mechanics. I have a mind. theory about this
3: though. Okay. But finish your thought. First. But no, I just the yeah, just the thought that I mean, it's a it's a tough sale for people that didn't you know not. I mean, there are people that love Crisis, people that hate it. There are people that are like that are indifferent to it, like they don't really. It doesn't affect them because those characters don't exist in those forms anyway right. anymore. So they don't really, you know. I'm sure there might be some more interest with the CW stuff going on, and they're, you know, they just put out like a $500 box set, with right? Like a million things in it. Like it starts. I think it starts with with Flash 123 collected in in, in hardcovers, and then all the way up through Crisis. But it's one of those things where you know I would be in you know from DC standpoint, I couldn't imagine putting out a $40 book one week and the next week it's 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 five bucks on right. Comicsology because. Why wouldn't you just I mean, granted, unless you really want that book, why would you not pay five dollars to get it?
0: Right. But I so so my theory about that is is that I believe that possibly that they are very much aware that people will prefer paper for the most part over over digital, right? And so they think that for the most part that these older books like Crisis and whatever, Long Halloween and stuff like that, that for the most part the people on digital buying that are rebuying it. Sure. Right. Oh, sure. And, right, because I I, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want Long Halloween and Dark Victory on my tablet for when I'm flying wherever. <laughs> I can have it, but I'm not going to buy it if it's the same price as the actual sure. trade itself. No, I agree right. With I'm you. not going yeah, right. to buy it a second time that sure. way. But if you lower it to five bucks, and I catch it on Black Friday or whatever, I'm far more likely to re- like okay yeah i'll rebuy it right i like it that much subscribe
2: sure. to dc universe for one month for seven dollars and read it there right whenever you want it's seven dollars a time for
0: as long as that lasts for as yeah. long as that lasts <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully it's over but i need to get to enjoy it but i right. need to get on the wi-fi on the plane that way and i sometimes don't always do that no I, mean, that costs I think money. you
2: can download I think can you, you download can you? stuff yeah from the app At like, i've, never, into, I've like tried. like downloading the netflix like temporarily mm. and just access it through their app mm. hmm Okay. I'm, I'm not it. positive
1: about that but you can I'll have prep. to double check that okay. You probably can prep it before you leave That's what I do with Netflix I
0: feel like I, feel like I never get the full benefit Of any piece of technology that comes no, out I feel like it. I never use it to the fullest <laughs>
1: no, but It's almost like you need a, a Another tangent It's almost like you need a guide in order to understand Fully to appreciate something mm. Not just the nuances of it So I, I feel you on that one it, it wasn't until somebody made it to my attention right. That I could even do the Netflix option yeah. Before I was like, yeah, I'm not watching. I just wait till I get to the house. But when you find that option that you can do it, then it, yeah, you
2: yeah. know, Disney Plus. You can download on Disney Plus too. Okay.
3: Okay. Good to know.
2: And watch on the go without Wi-Fi. Wow. You know? But yeah, going back I to like the it. DC sales and comes like there was the time, and I don't know if they're still happening. I've just kind of lost track. Where Marvel would have those like blockbuster sales on Amazon mm-hmm. for digital stuff, and like mm-hmm. they'd come out of nowhere and like last for a week, and yep. it would be stuff that's normally 40 dollar books 30 dollar books that would all of a sudden digital in mm. digital mm. would all of a sudden be like 388 <laughs> <Yeah>. or something <laughs> right. like right. that oh yeah and uh, like i used to get alerts for when those sales would happen and like i just wait for them and then like stock up on a bunch and then not buy stuff other times because why would you if you knew these sales were coming and then it would be so much th-
3: there's so much stuff wow well I would say this when when it comes to the stuff that, that goes on sale, Marvel is far like especially I I can't say it everywhere, but again I can say from, from Amazon and from Comixology for sure. That between those two, you can do really like like you said, those sales are really you get a lot of really good stuff for really cheap. And DC, I don't know why, but they don't really take advantage of the digital and they may do you know, they may because of the app they want you know they might be doing more of it to get people to do it that yeah. way
2: but marvel has that as well they have the marvel unlimited mm-hmm. it's like six dollars a month and access to the almost the whole back catalog mm. up until six months ago
3: gotcha but yeah that's the thing It's like you know i i would clean up with those comicsology or amazon sales because for a while especially when amazon and Comicsology got together and you could use your you know they were pretty much anything they that was on, link the two accounts mm-hmm. anything that was on amazon you could get through comiXology you wouldn't have to go the extra step to go to amazon
1: all right, but let me stop right there, Frank, because ultimately, if someone doesn't have a tablet, um, the whole thing of um, accessing it through uh, your, um, th- those service that those services that Clifton was saying would be irrelevant. Uh, me, personally, I enjoy the um, the um, tangibility of the story itself in my hand. So as a result of it, I wouldn't agree with you based upon what you're trying to tell.
3: I mean, I get what you're saying. And my, my other thing that we had not gotten around to is the idea, of, and it actually applies to all of us here, is the idea that... Very rarely do we unless it's something that hasn't been traded, we don't hand each other issues. Like if it's the only way to give someone a story, but like I'm thinking about like with the holidays coming up and Christmas, very rarely does any of you at this table (laughs) hand me hand me single issues. Now last year, wasn't it last year I got you that that Batman story? You did. That's right. The issue—the one that's not traded—the one that's not traded. The story—it's not traded. That's right. Wow. I had to get you that Italian it story because I read it. In, I read it off Comicsology. You know, for I think it was again they had a sale. It was a dollar a book, and it's it's a it's like it's Italian Catwoman and Robin and Raishin. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: it's it sounded like I remember it sounded like a Bond story.
3: Yes, it pretty yeah. much is. Because that
1: you were saying earlier? Not everything's traded, and that's one of the downsides of it. But another aspect I think is. Um, the interruption of a long story. Like imagine you get into X-Men and there's certain stories that you don't come across, but you, I mean, certain trades are built upon like the length of the uh, the run of the writer, correct? Mm-hmm. Like volume one, volume two, volume three of the writer. Let's say somebody puts you on volume three and that um, the um, preview part explains what happened beforehand. Why would you go back and read it when you got a synopsis of the story going into it based upon the trade that you just picked up. I mean, it almost cuts off your need to watch or listen to me read earlier issues based upon the trade that you
3: received. It can be, but I think it's, it's you know, I mean, that's the other aspect of comics that's great is the fact that, yeah, you're, you're getting storytelling through what the script was, yeah. but visually it might be, you know, the visual storytelling is going to be different than, you know, what the script is. The written is, word is. As well as the fact is, you know, they they also, you know, for a while there they were putting together, They'll put together artist editions or they'll put together, like there's a run of Fantastic Four, for example, that's all Byrne. And obviously Byrne wrote that stuff, but yeah. Byrne did the art as well. Yeah. But there's also George Perez's Fantastic Four collections that are just his work on Fantastic Four. Okay. As well as like there's a George Perez, um, a couple of volumes of George Perez Justice League. Because again, he was supposed to, at one point he had Justice League, was going to do Justice League. And they're like, how about New Teen Titans? Ooh. And he decided that. to do that instead. Yeah. So God. Yeah, there's only a handful of issues and stuff that he did for Justice League. Okay. So you might want to go back and get it just for the art or, you know, to see the stuff that you eat. Smash. Well, I mean, another example is when I bought the the, the epic collection of Power Man and Iron Fist, mm-hmm. because of the rights being tied up for Rom Space Knight, mm-hmm. there's an issue where, there's an issue where because he was a toy and then Marvel doesn't own those rights anymore.
1: That's just ridiculous, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> so there's, a, there's an issue of Power Man and Iron Fist, like around 77, 78, where it has the issue in the trade, it has the issue, and then a one-page synopsis of what happens in the issue with Rom, <laughs> and then the next issue that takes place after, because they can't reprint that issue. Wow. Yes, that's how they get around it. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yes. you know, I mean, I guess Good they don't same. want. I guess they don't, <laughs> yeah. I guess they don't want to print the issue with him blocked out, or you know, right. a stick figure or something to represent, yeah. you know, nice. the character. But, yeah. they, you know, there's a fair, I mean, that's just one example. There's a fair amount of stuff that's in there that's, you know, that Rom was in. Like, he met, he met a ton of Marvel characters right. in throughout his run. Yeah, yeah. he did. So, Before you know, they lost the Micronauts, yeah. right? True. Same thing. So unless it was a character that they created for for that book that wasn't already a Micronaut toy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then they were right. they able to keep it. That's like, well, in the early revamped of uh, the Guardian stuff, you had Bug as part of that group. Like with Groot and Rocket and I know that, yeah, he's in like some of those issues or like one of the couple of mini series or something with, I think it's Abnett landing, but I'm not sure.
0: But Tommy, you got me thinking about like, you were saying how the, the trade is, is, is like a finite amount of space and yeah. I mean, like, maybe we need an industry person here somebody from diamond or something like that, but I don't know where, like why we didn't like, why aren't there just more expensive trades made with eight issues? No. Or less yeah. expensive trades, maybe with like four, Or three.
3: Yeah, because it's kind. <laughs> it, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean. Cause it's it's kind of like it's either six issues or now five issues or no. an omnibus, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no there's no yeah. ground it's like in between volume,
0: volumes of six unless you have a twelve
3: unless right? it's like unless it's a twelve issue like Watchmen 12, or Crisis yeah. or something like that. But
0: usually that comes out in two trades first, and then you get true, true right. Well, sure. they like, like I just I yeah. just texted you Frank about this where uh wade and sammy's black widow is getting now finally like mm. like uh the, the ultimate collection yeah like probably because the deluxe the That's like whatever it is 10 issues or 11 issues the i
2: wanted that one in the big oversized hardcover yeah you know, they usually go from like two volume trades to one oversized hardcover then to that hardcover and paperback and i was waiting for that one because right. it's beautiful mm-hmm. and they skipped the hardcover nah. and went straight to the ultimate collection paperback oh wow uh but yeah there's a few others like the Tom King stuff has been going straight to oversized trades, or twelve issue trades, like the Tom King Mister Miracle book I can think of, and yeah, that just went straight to twelve issues, right? Is that how long the run is? There's yeah, 10 it's 12 issues.
1: Is it twelve? I thought no, it's
0: twelve. It's
2: 12. Okay. I know it's more than six, yeah, and yeah. it went straight to a collection of all of them. No, but
1: I feel like they published. I feel like they published a lot of his work anyway. Certain people are just prolific that anything they touch it right is yeah. going to get status. Once to you get
0: to the rock star status, like yeah. so mm-hmm. which you mm-hmm.
1: got to. He definitely got to that. Yeah.
2: But yeah, talking about like Marvel always sticking or DC always sticking with the six issue model, I feel like that was a, a publisher side thing, basically for what they saw as consumer expectations. So you've got these books coming out. They're volume one, they're volume two eventually, volume three eventually, that their plan is that they want you to by all of them. Sure. So they don't want to change. Like if you're expecting, this is my price point for one, they don't want to give you more issues and then the price jumps $8 or $6 right. or whatever. So that's why I think they're sticking it six so that it is a, like a comic issue comes out at the same price every month. I think they wanted a trade paperback to come out right. at the same price every six months.
0: Is there, I mean, Clifton, you're better at like sort of like the business side of things than, than I am. So, it, do you, but is there like a, contractual component to this do you think like when a when a writer and artist team jumps on a character like like is it the fact that usually you're contracted for 12 issues like i'm going to do it for a year i'm going to do it for two years like i'm thinking Dharma cook on spirit
2: oh no i'm sure you know? i'm sure once they started taking that model that the contracts followed suit and that okay that they realized cuz i mean fill in issues just didn't fly anymore mm-hmm. and that's what used to be in the you know everything leading up to the early 2000s you, like there were filling issues everywhere and they were fine because your stories weren't set in stone arcs. And then after that, when they needed a set in stone arc to make a trade out of, I'm sure their contracts were like, you're doing six, you're doing 12, yeah. you're doing something divisible by six.
0: My heart mm. just broke a minute ago. Cause I just read <laughs> never, I didn't realize how much I missed <laughs> the filling issues until you said, I'm like, Oh man, sometimes there's nothing like a good filling issue. Right. True. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. Like,
2: and then the fill-in issues were good because, like, you would get a book out on time. So your, yeah. you know yeah. your your main your your all-star creators would be falling a little behind because, you know, it takes time to make good work. And right. so they had those fill-in issues that would just you know throw one out books on schedule. Audience keeps their book. You know, you yeah. got something to read, and then you're back to the to the A team after that. And then they decided there just wasn't an appetite for fill-ins, like. Like the artist writers became the rock stars and like right. that's the only act you're there for. Like yeah. you're not there for
3: the cover band. The, yeah. You're yeah.
0: not there for the Sometimes. opening act <laughs> to play in
2: the middle of a show.
0: The 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 deception about it is what got me. Like like I'm, I'm with you about it because, yeah, there are some times where a fill-in issue would be a huge drag. But that was the time when you would accidentally buy the issue thinking sure. that I was getting Morrison. And then I'm like, wait a minute like I mean, you kept you kept the Keith, cover, Keith Morrison yeah, you kept the you kept the, <laughs> you kept the cover like like uh, uh I'm thinking back to like the black and white like Batman covers again where mm. like yeah, they kept those covers sure. for those years no matter who was on the book right oh, oh okay wait a minute this they, is a Dini? Right. Like, I mean, something <laughs> accidentally bought this. Well,
3: sometimes they would put the – accidentally, they'd accidentally, quote unquote, lead the creative team from from the regular creative team and be like, oh, it's not a person I – it's someone's yeah. brother-in-law yeah. that's <laughs> writing this book for the month. Yeah. Great.
2: Right. But it was also a place they would try out a lot of new talent. True. And that is, that is a big loss, I think, from yeah. when they shifted yeah. away from them is that they didn't have a place to give people a shot that mm. wasn't as consequential as giving them a miniseries or – a new book. They could just be like, give these the shot for this one
3: time. If it that, works, that, it works. That's why they need to bring back the showcase for a much cheaper.
1: Yeah. yeah so that's when we got those new artists that were like knockoffs of um the main artists. Like, yeah, of uh, course. Like Alan Davis knock. <laughs> Who's Alan Davis knockoff that got there?
0: Isn't there it, wasn't there it's two guys record. named Moore that were writing like top ten though? Was it like uh, didn't, didn't somebody
3: there was well take Alan, over after Alan Moore? Well, and there was Steve Moore. Steve Moore works with Alan Moore. Okay. Yeah. okay, but that yeah. was my point. So that was mine where I'm like, oh. Well, there was a Kirby guy also was for a while, too, where you're like Kirby on the book. And I'm right. like, that's not... Just change your yeah. name. That's <laughs> <not fair. laughs> Don't do you that.
0: You guys are jerks. Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Steve do Moore that.
3: is friends with Alan Moore. Yes, they've, right. been, they've been friends for like ever. Like from his early days of like fanzine type stuff. But yeah, I agree with you. Steve yeah. Moore was writing, was doing a lot of the ABC stuff when Alan Moore was stepped away. So... Yeah, that was a that was a thing that happened, but yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so I guess to wrap up before we uh, we sign off, is there uh, does that everybody have like one story that was never traded that we want to see traded that like we would we would snatch up first day? Sure, upon release.
3: Yeah, finish absolutely. My sentence? snatch <laughs> right up first day. Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, for me, it was one of those things where I for the longest time I had. You know, a lot of times when I go to, to, to shows, when I'm looking around in dollar boxes, I'll look for, like, Marvel Team-Up or Marvel 2-in-1, you know, DC Comics Presents or Brave and the Bold, any kind of team-up stuff. And they ha- there's a, a issues, I think it's 82 through 85 of Marvel Team-Up. It's Spider-Man and Black Widow. And then as the story gets, you know, further along in this four-parter again, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's Spider-Man and Black Widow in the first issue. It's Spider-Man, Black Widow and Nick Fury in the second issue. Spider Man, and then it's Spider Man and Shang Chi, and then all four of them in the final part. So it's it's basically it was for a long time. It's not. I, I just found out that, uh, yesterday that it's, they're doing a lot bl- of Black Widow team ups in a trade, you know, to get stuff ready for the for, right. for the movie <laughs> drops. So it's in that one,
0: and when then you're, what year you're around was this one that you're talking about? Early '80s. It's pretty okay. old at
3: this point. It's a, it's probably yeah, I've never heard of it. I don't it's know like, what you're talking about. It's like '82, but it's it's but it's a story where in the first issue that I you know that I was able to read I'm pretty sure it looks like Nick Fury like took a shot at Black Widow and that's where the story starts with Spider-Man in the middle of all this. Sounds great. It's got Boomerang and Silver Samurai as the villains. So boomerang. Yeah, it's pretty it's you know Nick it's, Spencer has made me love Boomerang. <laughs> but it's also one of those things of like when I when I when I think about the fact that, you know, we have a Shang-Chi and a Black Widow movie and we already have Nick Fury and Spider-Man established in Far From Home. Mm. That basically, that you know, they, I'm not saying that we're, that I think we're going to get that at some point. Right. But it'd be amazing if we got that at some yeah. point. That would be awesome. That would be cool. So, and then the other ones, he's got to buy Spider-Man for that, I think. Sure. Right. <laughs> but I mean, my, they my TV, TV show—they they have
2: TV yeah. rights for Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, a bit TV show.
3: And then my honorable mention would be the to getting back to what to getting back to what we talked about with DC saying, hey, we're going to put this out and, and then basically taking it back, being Lucy with the football it away the last second was they had announced the five-year gap for the Legion. Ooh. Oh really? It was supposed to be on a hardcover, and then <laughs> who was that? Who was the writer on that? Uh, it's uh, Giffen, right? Giffen? Is, is it okay. Giffen? It's Giffen? It's
1: Giffen. Yeah, Giffen, Giffen did the art
3: I... for sure, and then it's um, oh, who's the writer on that? Is it Giffen too? No, it's for, it for no. a minute. Then it turned to Tom. Tom and Mary, Mary Beerbomb. Mm-hmm. but yeah, they they've never really traded out that stuff. So it's one of those things where if you wanted to read it, you know, you read it digitally, I think, but you can't really you know or pick up the issues, but to read the whole thing. Yeah, you, you know, there's not been a trade or a hardcover, and then the same thing it was announced, and then DC decided not to do it. So Okay. I'd like to see that.
1: I love the fiber gap.
3: Yeah, so do I. You got one, Tommy? Oh
1: um, you want to well, go next? unfortunately, I don't have anything that comes to mind that I was desperately looking for. I usually end up going for the single issues or borrowing for somebody. But I've had difficulty locating solo. That's, okay. Yeah, because it's a hardcover. For like 60 or 850 bucks, but it's never been a soft yeah. cover trade, unfortunately. For the issues that were that came, that's the only format they came in. So, harking back to our earlier episode, that's my i my, i can't find that. My,
0: my greatest regret was I saw that at a convention half off, mm. uh, like, oh, like the big hardcover, like, like maybe five hardcover. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. and like, I was just ass. being stupid. I was like, maybe like, <laughs> I'll come back to it. And I forgot about it over the course of the day. Didn't pick it up. Oh, Didn't pick it up. Biggest oh. regret. Biggest comic Comic Con regret. I think was that one. Mm.
1: Yeah, but that's bring my... that book back, DC. Yeah. Yes. Come How yes. do you not do that now? Good
0: grief. Made. There's so many
1: guys. Yeah. Give <laughs> <Babs laughs> yes.
0: like Babs Tar doing one. That'd be so great. Yeah. But what's nuts Cam is yeah,
1: yeah. But what's nuts is the simple notion that you got it. It's like those people are gonna live forever. That's, that's what I see it as, They're just legends in the game I haven't done anything of that nature. And yes, some people retire, you know, as from burnout. Yep. Like certain certain fan favorites, that would you would love to see them do that. Sure. And hopefully it'll rekindle the love of it. One, one, one that brings to mind is Joel or whatever his name is. Oh, Joe Mad? Yes, oh, Joe Mad. yes, yes. <laughs> I would love to see a rendition on certain characters. No,
0: I, <laughs> I just laugh because I, I have a, I have a buddy who uh is like just tangentially like in the comics, like he's into that stuff, but yeah. he doesn't really buy comics anymore. Mm. But every time I see him, you know, still like like what's up with Battle Chasers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just like
3: waiting nineteen ninety eight. That's like my friend who's like, Hey, what about Divine Right? I'm like right. Divine Right? right. 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 What oh. I about? Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean Jim Lee still does comics every once in yeah. a while, but Divine Right, are you sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Wow, so
0: he's the guy that was buying that <laughs> Yes. Okay. Man. Kept it alive. Kept it alive. <laughs> Divine right. Divine yes. right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Deep pull, Frank. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah.
1: Nice. But yeah, that's my pull. Okay. Clifton.
0: Clifton, you're up.
2: All uh, right. One I can think of that I always wanted to trade was the six-issue question oh. series yeah. from yeah. 2004, uh, written by Rick Veach, art by Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been put out in trade i nope. think we think it might be a casualty of their recent
3: soliciting and unsoliciting books i thought it had to do with the fact that there was a controversy about the guy uh micah ian wright who was the writer that he had basically at one point he was writing Stormwatch and he was supposed to be writing a super, he was writing he was supposed to write a vigilante mini mm-hmm. around that site it's all about the spy, science spire stuff right it's around the same right. time as the yeah. question and then it came out um somebody exposed him on the internet he would said that he was he was actually in the military Uh, I mean, this is all hearsay. This is recent? Yeah, no, this is years ago. I do remember this controversy. But this this was, I mean, I I don't know for sure. I don't know all my facts right. This is all alleged. I don't know for sure. But that was what the rumor was at the time was because he had basically said that he was in the armed services and then people called him on it and then found out that he wasn't. He got fired off the Stormwatch. Okay. As well as... The vigilante series never came out. No, they...
0: this, this sounds vaguely familiar, but I, but Clifton, I, but I mean, I feel like that this was solicited like ma- like as recent as last year. Oh, was it really? I I really? Think, okay. Yeah, I think uh, I, no, I think Clifton, you're right. I mean, that, it's that a fantastic. It was, it was it was it was you know right. away from us.
2: It's it's not out. It is available in digital
3: okay. and on okay. DC
2: Universe. Which answering a question from before, you can download what? books and take them with you before you uh, before your travels. Okay, on DC Universe app. Because that's, that's where I looked it up to see if they have it.
0: I might have to do that,
2: though. But that one, uh, it's a fun book. It's Question in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So he's interacting with Superman, sort of.
0: Sure. Right, yeah.
2: Uh, but they never... It's an interesting depiction of Superman and, and Question's point of view on Superman.
0: Okay. Mine, uh, kind of a cheat because I, I sort of got mine. So um, Batman and Robin Adventures was the Ty Templeton like batman animated series book that was being done in the 90s uh that was my like that was my favorite iteration of batman for the longest time but those ended up getting traded completely but down the road it became rebranded again like after they did gotham adventures it became batman adventures like volume two and it was kind of treated like animated series season five and it Mm -hmm. was who was it was that dan slot frank because uh, You've been talking this one up for me for a, a long time. Yes. Yeah, Auto slot, slot, right? Slot, slot and yeah. Templeton.
3: Slot and Templeton are, are both either right together or switching off issue to issue. Yeah.
0: And so, but like in there, because we never saw them on the show, at least not in Batman, but like, but it introduced like Black Mask and Deadshot and stuff like that. And so I was hoping that when we got, because they had done a few Gotham Adventures trades, I was like, okay, like a few more and we're eventually going to get to this. And right. then I think. DC pulled the rug out from under, it. and I'm like, so. Well,
3: I mean, the, well, the thing about the other thing is, those original issues have a pretty good, you know, there's a pretty great cliffhanger, and they never resolve it because the book doesn't go on. So, yeah, it's a fantastic. Why do they do that? I, just do one more. Yeah, one no, I, more I, issue. Sure, I, I I would love to see how what the re- resolution was that, for that. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it, but it's pretty great if you like. No, oh, I still haven't read it. Yeah, But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah no, that's still what I'm saying. saying. I'm saying it's it's pretty great, but it's yep. one of those things where yeah, it's it's one of those definitely unresolved storylines in comics I'd love to see finish up. Cool, but, yeah. All right, so that's
0: the graphic novel. The verdict is, as always, it depends.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so with that, I'm Zach Slater.
3: I'm Frank Melman. Tommy
2: Smithering.
0: Left in. All right, we're signing off. Thanks for listening.